But what it is, is just lack of accountability. Yep. And where that stems from, Eric, is that people hang around with people who are low achievers and complacency people. Yeah. And whenever you hang around with people like that, that's the common excuse. And it's usually used as a stopgap, like let's not have a further conversation or dig deeper. So when I tell you I don't have time, you're supposed to nod your head and say, yeah, me either, man. We don't have time. And you validate each other. And this kind of goes back and forth. And yeah. they're like, whew, thank God nobody asked me about going deeper, asked me to show them my schedule or tell me what they're actually doing on an hourly basis every single calendar day of the year. Because if they would ask that, they would have exposed me that I actually do have a lot of time. I'm wasting time watching Netflix, screwing around on the internet, just scrolling or sideswiping, whatever app you're using. So, so many people are just wasting this time, but nobody likes to admit it. So they use that surface level question. Oh man, I'm just so busy. I got no time. <laughs> Tony, you're a husband, you're an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of the 365 Driven Podcast, Car Fanatic, and of course, part of Arte Syndicate. Thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Eric, thanks for inviting me. It's going to be fun. Let's just rock this mic, turn up the heat, get some people doing some things. Come on. I like to start by going back a bit. Your dad was a Marine Corps Vietnam veteran. Your mom was an immigrant. What was childhood like for you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Houston, Texas, a suburb called Friendswood, Texas. When I grew up, there's about 15,000 people. It's probably quadrupled or something. It's probably way bigger than that by now, but okay. yeah, lower middle class. We actually lived in a fixer upper house in the worst neighborhood in the city, just so we moved there. So my sister and I could have a good education because I had a good public school system there. Yeah. Wow. And then who inspired you to kind of go that entrepreneur route? Cause you were in like corporate America for a long time before you went full-time entrepreneur, right? I'll tell you, Becoming an entrepreneur before that was a trendy word. It was just a means to get fancier things or buy totally. stuff. It started as a child. I, we didn't have any money and we didn't have an allowance. So basically it was either go knock doors, walk dogs, wash cars, mow yards, whatever I could to, to buy that skateboard or the video game or the BMX bicycle that I wanted. And that's the only way I could do it. I only got gifts on Christmas and birthdays. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, and then I, I think if I was researching right, you were working a full-time job. And then in your spare time, you co-founded LS1 Tech, which is the largest online automotive community. You end up selling that business after five years. But how did that, all that come together? And what, would that, what did that exit strategy look like for you? For, the, for one, I think, yeah, that company grew to 300,000 registered members. And we sold it for a couple million after making hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit for the years that we owned it. Yeah. And the thing is, I never thought about it becoming that big. And that's a, that's a key focus thing. I think too many people focus on money. They think that they're going to go be a millionaire and they try to do all this thing. They're just focused with eyes on the prize for the money. Yep. I just wanted to build a cool place to hang out with my car friends online and talk <laughs> about racing and building cars. And it was also a creative outlet because I was a, a junior level engineer just working my corporate salary. I think I was making 45, 50 grand at the time. And I was craving authority and climbing the ladder and just because I knew my capabilities. You know, a lot of people look at your age and they go, you're too young, wait your turn. You, you know, you don't have enough experience, but I was already doing my boss's job. And I know it sounds egotistical, but after my boss ended up leaving in that job, he actually wanted to promote me. And I was, he was 20 years older than me. So even he thought I could do the job. But even then I found resistance because they, you know, the brass in that company were like, no, he's way too young to do this. And yeah. I was always that person that was doing things way ahead of my age. And so for me to be creative and go do something to get that authority, become a leader, start to make my own key decisions, control my own destiny with money, I created businesses. And that's what I did is that's why I created a side business because I was invested in my career from putting myself through college. Yeah. So I didn't want to air quotes, waste my engineering degree after struggling seven years, working full time to go do that. And so I was 
really tuned into trying to get my career advance. And then I was just building these things on the side just to have fun and be a little creative. That's awesome. And then in 2017, you, you end up launching, you know, 365 driven. And, and one of the core values that I really like on your website is, is strive to become a better version of yourself. And I'm really big on that and kind of always trying to, you know, learn and grow, but how do you yourself become a better version of yourself? I think for me, the, the key thing that most people miss out on is, is finding some kind of education or learning something every day. And I know that when we hear that, we kind of roll our eyes. How can you learn something? It's easy. <laughs> yep. You listen to podcasts like Eric's or mine, or you read a book or you do some YouTube or learn how to do some, just learn a skill or learn some new knowledge every single day. And it kind of ties into what we see now because I create a lot of content. I'm always creating videos and things like that. Absolutely. And one of the comments I commonly hear is like, well, I don't know how I could do that. I, where do you get all these ideas and how do you come up with all these different videos and things that you post? And it's, that's like, how much are you reading? Right. How many things are you listening to? What are you learning every day? Because when you're in, you know, bombarding your brain with new information on a daily basis, you're going to have new thoughts, new thoughts become new content. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that your book, the side hustle millionaire, you know, it talks about, uh, you know, the exit strategies and mar mindset and marketing and funding and things like that. And, for me, I still work a full-time job and I still do two podcasts and I do all of this stuff. And, you know, when you hear someone say, I don't really have time for side hustles. What do you say to that, man? <laughs> I think that's the biggest cop-out excuse that we ever hear because yeah. if you think you're too busy, then how is Jeff Bezos too busy? Or how is anyone that's a, a successful person that you aspire to be too busy? And then right. people blame their kids and all kinds of stuff. But what it is, is just lack of accountability. Yep. And where that stems from, Eric, is that people hang around with people who are low achievers and complacency people. Yeah. And whenever you hang around with people like that, that's the common excuse. And it's usually used as a stopgap. Like, let's not have a further conversation or dig deeper. So when I tell you I don't have time, you're supposed to nod your head and say, yeah, me either, man. We don't have time. <laughs> and you validate each other. And this kind of goes back and forth. And yeah. you're like, whew, thank God nobody asked me about going deeper, asked me to show them my schedule or tell me what they're actually doing on an hourly basis every single calendar day of the year. Because if they would ask that, they would have exposed me that I actually do have a lot of time. I'm wasting time watching Netflix, screwing around on the internet, just scrolling or sideswiping, whatever app you're using. So, so many people are just wasting this time, but nobody likes to admit it. So they use that surface level question. Oh man, I'm just so busy. I got no time. <laughs> Let me tell you about how I started LS1 Tech since you brought that up. Yeah. Started that in 2000. I was a, had a son that was a newborn. I was depressed for about a year and a half. I was working three jobs because I was unemployed the previous six months from an industry downturn, which left me unemployed and there was nobody hiring in the oil industry. So I had to live off a credit card. I was about $40,000 in debt. And when I finally got another job, it was about $30,000 $30, a year because it was the only place that would hire me. So I went back and started waiting tables every single night at the restaurant that I was working at before I graduated. Then on Saturday mornings, I would go work in a mechanic shop and work on cars until about four in the afternoon. And then I'd go back and wait tables. On Sunday, I would wait tables on a double shift. So I literally worked every single aspect of production hours I could. Yeah. And then when I got home, I started to teach myself how to code by reading books on how to code HTML, how to teach myself on Photoshop, how to do graphic design. So I was depressed, broke, severely in debt, below zero. I would have loved to start at zero. I, was, I had to fight for three years to get back to zero and had a failed relationship and a toxic, you know, she was very verbally abusive, alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And I was in all these bad situations, felt like my life was spiraling out of control but I started my first business. And the reason I did that is because I needed something creative. I needed some glimmer of hope to focus on to maybe this could build something and end up we severed that relationship because even my son's mother 
would make fun of what I was doing. She said, that's a stupid idea. You're wasting your time. Guys talking on the internet is dumb. Wow. You know, it's just, that was the kind of mindset and I was stuck in. So I started amongst all those odds. It was just something for me to be focused on. So if you're listening to this and you're making those excuses, it just means you don't want it bad enough. And that's okay. Cause the world is filled with complacent people who talk a big game and they just don't want it bad enough. And when you want something bad enough, you will make time for it. Yeah. Man, I'm the same way. Like I, I'm not a full-time entrepreneur, but I, I work nine to five. I'm blessed to work for an awesome company that allows me to do this. But for me, 4 a.m., six days a week, man, I'm up and I'm cranking on my podcast and guests and editing and, and reaching out and updating my site. And if I didn't have that time, like my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire for sleep. And so Absolutely. that's where it comes in where I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to make this happen and whatever it takes. And then you know, usually five, six o'clock in the evening, I can, you know, break away from the job and go have spend time with the family. But that morning, a couple hours, man, that's the big time for me. Dude, I love the morning. I love the morning because your emails aren't going off. Nobody's calling you. Most people are sleeping in. So it's quiet. Yeah. You don't see a lot of noise outside. There's not a lot of cars driving around. It's just a great way to be really focused. And for me, I'm a morning person. I get up yep. around 430 in the morning and I haven't used an alarm clock in 20 years. Even when I was working corporate, I was never late and I've yep. never used an alarm clock. And the reason is because I know that I sleep about seven hours when I'm not sick, right? When I'm healthy, I sleep about seven hours. So I just go to bed on time and I wake up a little earlier than I need to be. And I actually can relax. And I can tell you, there's nothing worse than starting your day. The very first second of your waking hours by hearing a blaring ass crappy alarm clock. And most people <laughs> hate their alarm clock. Totally. Sometimes I go take a power nap in the middle of the day and I'll use an alarm clock so I don't oversleep. And it yeah. still pisses me off when I hear it. And it's just a little nap. So right. how are you waking up every single day with this thing blaring in your ear? And, and you're like, oh, crap, another day. Well, it's probably because you're having a crappy life you created for yourself. You got a crappy job with a crappy boss, not doing what you really true, truly should be doing. And you're staying up too damn late, which requires you to use an alarm clock. Yeah. And that kind of leads, I mean, what you were just talking about, like to what your podcast is, a 365 driven podcast. It's a top 100 podcast. Congrats, by the way. But uh, you dive into what you call the four cornerstones of happiness and success, which is wealth, health, mindset, and relationship. Why are those four so important? I think that's just a awareness thing over time. I'll tell yeah. you that I had different purposes during each decade of my life, right? When, yeah. we're, when we're teenagers, we're just trying to fit in and get with girls. Right. And then 20s, we're trying to get our education, trying to build some public status, trying to grow up the ladder, trying to get some maybe some authority or just something, trying to establish ourselves, trying to prove ourselves at, at that age in our 20s. 30s was all about stacking money for me. I had the education behind me. I was starting my businesses and things were going exceptionally well. So to me, it was like, man, I got energy. Son's a little bit older. He's not a baby anymore. I can just stack money. So I was working and doing consulting and starting companies and traveling international and working for oil companies. And I started to realize I was missing a lot of things and my health started to fade. You know, I sold my company at 34 pretty well. And I started to have a health decline around 35. I started getting overweight and I started having aches and pains in my lower back and my knee and my shoulder. And, uh, and I, I was surrounding myself with these other people who had maybe were making 150 grand a year, that kind of comfort zone for most people, sure. very high level, you know, middle class. And they were all just reinforcing the whole like, hey, I guess we're getting older and, and these aches and pains, like we're not getting any younger. And, and so when you hang around with people again, you start to raise awareness like, do I really have pains or is this something going on? And so what I, what happened was I turned 40. It's a pivotal age, right? And we start to totally. think about things. I'm looking in the mirror and I'd always been an athlete before I started to let myself go in my mid to late thirties. 
and I'm looking at it and I got, I got bitch titties and I got a belly sticking out and I'm, I'm looking weak and, and my arms are small and I, and I didn't have any energy. I mean, literally dude, one time I realized I was weak as fuck as I was, I was running late for a meeting at a client's office and he had a big escalator in their lobby. It was like a two-story escalator. And so I just started walking up the escalator to make sure I got to the you know, next floor a little quicker. I was fucking winded walking up a moving escalator. Oh, and I said, this has got to change. Yeah. It's got to change. And I'll tell you, it, it sucked for about two months. It sucked to go back to the gym and be weak as hell. When yep. you're used to working out and doing reps of 225 on the bench and you go, well, I'm just going to warm up with 135, you know, put 45 on each side. You do a warm up and you can barely get it off your chest. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck? I am just weak as fuck. And <laughs> there's a lot of men out there like that. And they don't totally. realize it because you think you think of yourself from your younger years until it's time to go perform. And you go, wow, I'm way off the wagon here. So that was an eye opener for me. And I just had to suck it up, put the ego aside, go do things and actually get stronger. And now I'm 48. I'm actually physically stronger than I've been in any point of my life. Come so on. it's a mindset shift. I don't have aches and pains anymore. Yeah. It's amazing how when you start to get core strength and energy and you're working out your joints and you're doing things and getting that cardio every day, your aches and pains and shit just go away. I think it's almost like your aches and pains or your body telling you like, get the fuck going. Like what's going on? Totally. Like, let's fix this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I turned 40 in 2000 and had my 41st birthday here just last year, or excuse me, I had 40 in, in uh, 2019. And so my goal was like, by the time I turned 40, I want to get down to 175 pounds. I was like sitting at 200 forever. Yeah. And then of course I went to go work out and lasted for like three days. And then I yeah. was like, all right, I'm getting back into this. And so I said, by my 41st birthday, I'm gonna be the best shape that I've ever been in. And I just did 90 days straight of cardio and just started intermingling weights after that and yeah. actually got down, went from 200 to 168 pounds. And now I'm sitting about 175. And damn, and, dude, uh, good job, man. Good thank job. you. It was yeah. tough. <laughs> Kick my Dude, butt. You know what? And it, <laughs> even even if you didn't have a lot of time, which is still bullshit excuse to work out. Yeah, ninety percent of our fitness is just diet. Totally just eating properly. Don't overeat. Portion control. Put away the sugary shit. Don't ever drink any soft drinks ever again. Right. Just just watch what you put in your body, and it's going to make a huge change in your energy and your your physical composure. It just everything changes with diet. Yep. Absolutely. And one of the things that I saw on you while I was doing research on you is I think hopefully you're still uh, doing it, but you're a president at Toastmasters Club, right? Are I was president it? for one year. Yeah, I'm not okay. not not in the last year. I handed the reins over to someone that that did really well in the group. So oh, nice. I think it's a good way to pass on leadership. I think success never comes without a succession plan, and you have to hand those batons off to give people encouragement to inspire other people to do the same. Yeah. How did the Toastmasters help you in your career, man? Because I've looked at Toastmasters. I've gone to a couple of local meetings here and then um, I actually was able to like first day, they're like, hey, get up here and talk. And so that was kind of like my my intro to the club. And and uh, I've been doing some other things, but I plan on getting back into that. But I just I love Toastmasters. My dad was part of that as well. And and uh, but how has that helped you in your career? I can tell you the story of when I discovered I had stage fright. OK, <laughs> that's awesome. So so this is a good ego story for people, especially you people that would manage your title, or maybe you're a small business owner, or yeah. you know, maybe you've got a little team and you think like, well, I don't need public speaking training because I do slideshow presentations all the time and people listen to me and I stand in front of people and I have the occasional courage to stand in front of people and talk. Therefore, I have public speaking skills. That, this, that defines about 80% of the corporate world, especially middle managers, right? We do right. a lot of slideshows. We do have closed door things. We do talk in meetings. 
that's not entertaining. That's not like, that's a captive audience. If you're speaking to your employees or your team, they can't surf Instagram on their phone while you're talking. You're the boss. They can't go take a piss break or get on the phone because you're talking because you suck at what you're doing because you're the boss. So that's a little check there. You're, you're lying to yourself. If you, if you think, if you've never had any form of public speaking training, you are not a public speaker because right. there's a lot of depth that goes into the tactics and the voices that we use, the inflection, the speed, the eyes, the presence, all these things that we learn in public speaking training are something you learn. It's not something that comes natural to you. You have to learn these tactics and we all have different styles and we embrace that, but it's go, go push your ego aside and, and go in. I'll tell you like being a president of the club, you see a lot of corporate people in and sometimes sure. they'll come in right after work because we had a seven o'clock meeting and they're still wearing their tie, sometimes their jacket and they're like, well, I'm just super, super important. And, you know, my company, the board of directors suggested that I come do this. And I don't really think I need it, but I'm here. And they realize within the first meeting, they are nowhere close to public speaker and they are right. humbled. And then they realize that I have to do some work. And it takes probably three months to start seeing real transformation from what I've seen for being in it for four years. Yep. That the humility has to come and you have to realize that I'm, I'm a student again. This is something new. It's a new language. It's a new skill. And when you do that, when you open your mind to that, it's incredible. And, and a lot of people might be listening. Well, Tony, I don't want to be a public speaker. I don't want to stand on stages. I'm not Tony Robbins. I don't want to do that. Like, a, I, yeah, I don't need that wrong. If you yeah. open your mouth to speak to one person or 1000 people, you can use the same skills to become more influential, more assertive, more certain, and clear with your message. So don't think about this. If you're going to be a podcaster, if you're going to go on TV or be on the radio or even do webinars or just lead a group or lead your team, public speaking skills will enhance every time you verbally communicate. We got this app clubhouse that just kicked off. Everybody's raving about right now, right? Love it. Yeah. You don't think that the public speaking training people are going to collaborate and like do a really awesome job and get all the followers there. That's what we're seeing. The people that open their mouth and they're me, Four years ago, Mono Tony is what I call him, the old Tony. Okay. One volume. I'm just, I'm, hey, thanks for having me here, Eric. It's a great show. And, you know, I really appreciate this. And I just want to give you the best ideas I can. If you would interview me like that, you would have just been like, dude, uh, this show is only 10 minutes long, bro. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for wrapping up. We run out of time. <laughs> Guys, you got to learn how to speak with emotion, energy, passion, conviction. Yeah. And we do all these with these tactics that you hear me speaking. This is not, this is not how I used to speak four years ago. I had to learn these skills and everybody can learn these skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you're focusing less internally, like what do they think about me? What do I sound like? What do I look like? Am I making stupid faces or my hands move? Like you're worried so much about yourself that you can't stay on message. When you get up on the stage or on a microphone to serve other people and educate them, then the shift happens you don't care what you look like or what you sound like because you're focused on the message. And if you had the like the right training and tactics to get your message out, it's just going to come out. Yeah, that's awesome. I wanted to uh, shift to a few fun questions here real quick. Uh, since you are the car fanatic there, how many cars do you own? Right now, I'm down to five. I actually okay. I used to have 10 and I said, this is kind of stupid. And <laughs> I've, I've got more expensive cars, but I've got fewer of them and I'm okay with that. I, I still don't spend a lot of time driving and racing like I used to. I actually put the racing stuff on on hold in 2015 when I decided to leave corporate and go focus on building two more companies. Yeah. And so I had to go sacrifice something I love because it was a very expensive and time-consuming distraction. <laughs> sure. And that's what I do. I'm, I've always 
been willing to sacrifice something I enjoy that's a distraction to be able to come back to it later at a bigger play bigger later on. Totally. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, I'm a music guy, so I love to ask this question, but what's a favorite type of music for you or do you have a favorite band that you like to listen to? I would say prior to me getting into the personal development space, I used to listen to primarily country, but I listen to everything. One, one instrument I don't like is the accordion. So okay. accordions never sound good to me. Let's be honest. Like, totally. No, to- terrible. It's just a terrible <laughs> instrument. That and bagpipes. No, it's terrible. Those are both. Right. If those two instruments would go away, I would probably love all types of music, but I do like the rest of the music. Yeah. So with that in mind, I actually met my wife country dancing and here in Texas, that's what you do, right? We go country right. dancing. That's where all the pretty girls hang out and you know, they'll actually dance with you without thinking that you're going to take them home, which is a great, you know, a great way to get into the conversation. Right. Absolutely. Well, what's coming up next for you, man? What do you got going on for, for 2021? What are you most excited about? I kicked off some on some new coaching formats this year. I'm doing a mastermind. So I, I was a member of some previous masterminds with Lewis Howes. And I like that format a lot. It's, it's really teamwork and camaraderie and accounting and, and just holding each other you know, accountable and being fully transparent. Yeah. And until then, I've been doing some small group coaching and webinars and things like that, and also one-on-one coaching. So this week or this year, I decided I was going to do the masterminds and roll those out. And they've been, and we kicked them off at the beginning of the year. And that's going to be exciting. So as each quarter passes, I'll probably add one or two ex, you know, new masterminds going forward, just to kind of keep these things going. But it's a, it's a really, really, in, only in a couple of meetings, it's been powerful and impactful for the people in there. Very cool. Tony, this has been such an honor to have you on my show. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story and what you got going on. And truly an honor to have you on. You are an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me on, man. Enjoyed being here. And, you know, if you want to find me, go to 365driven.com and you'll find everything that I do online. And I'm doing a lot. Yeah. Absolutely you are. And it's good stuff. So much for watching the show today. I appreciate it. If you could please leave a rating and review on our Apple podcast. The link is down below. That helps us get our message out, get the show out, helps us get ranked out there on the Apple podcast. Also leave a comment below, man. I'd love to know what part of this show made the most impact on you. I respond to every comment on there and please share this video, whether you're watching on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, please share it out. We want to make sure that we impact as many people as we can with the guests that come on my show and highlight those guests and what they've got going on and they're changing the world. So thank you so much for the time. So appreciate it. Have an awesome day.